Thanks for listening to the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network podcast. I'm Rachel Middleton. We believe influence is an expression of healthy leadership, and leadership is best measured by its influence. We are better together as we grow and advance the kingdom of God. Thanks for joining us. Are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Rick Shields. I'm joined again today with my friend and colleague, Mike Atkinson. Together, we direct the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network. Mike, I saw an interesting quote this morning from the Greek poet and playwriter, I think it's pronounced Euripides. He said, 10 soldiers wisely led will beat 100 without a head. So that we can move right into our topic today. It's a follow-up to our previous podcast called Vision Leads the Leader. Mike, you suggested this topic for us to discuss, this whole concept of vision. I know you've mentioned it in the previous podcast, but let's talk about it today. Why is this important, this idea of vision? Why is it important to you? Well, when we originally started in our thoughts and, and ideas on this podcast, one is we wanted it to be very practical and applicable for our part of our group. And there's a series, I think, that we're going to start forming here on this podcast. And vision is is probably the main lead off subject, but we've also got things like staff development and decision making along that ways. But really it all begins with vision and it all starts there. And so if you don't have a vision for your group or for your organization or for your family, it's hard to really set down uh, definitive parameters, thoughts, ideas on where you want to go. It's, and we kind of talked about it that last podcast. Mike, like, like, let me break in here and say, if you don't have a vision, you don't have a group. Yeah, well, you don't have a, a a business. You don't have a family. You don't have a vision. You got none of that. Well, that in when you boil it down to it, you could you definitely explain it and say it that way. I mean, you may get together every once in a while, but you're more like a social club and right. not necessarily uh, heading any direction. And I think there's certainly a lot of organizations you can apply that sentiment to that they're really not going anywhere. They're not don't have any idea on what they're doing. They just gather out a habit. Maybe I think this concept of vision is really critical for us for another reason. I think part of that is because it, hopefully it keeps us fresh. Yeah. If we don't, and, and it's just another way of looking at what you just said, we have to have this freshness to be able to have the energy, the momentum to keep going. Yeah. Otherwise we tend just to grow stale. I have a friend, his name is uh, Jimmy Ray. He was a pastor here in, in Tulsa for years. He says that if there's life, there has to be growth. And if there's no growth, then there's no life. Just because you keep doing things and you keep doing them the same way, and you maybe even do them well, doesn't mean there's growth. It means there's consistency, which is maybe good for a little while, but long-term, somebody else is going to come along and they're going to have vision and growth and a whole different level of energy. And your consistency will be nice but there'll be nobody there with you. Well, when we started this podcast and the ideas for it, we really wanted, at least in my heart, was to give you the opportunity to share from your experiences of leading organizations, leading groups and teams, and having experienced times when there was a strong vision and sometimes when maybe the vision was lacking. What were some of the things you experienced in, in the groups that had that you felt like had a strong vision and those that didn't? When working with a group that has a vision, they are very happy to accomplish things and celebrate things together. When there's a group without a vision, and it's like we discussed from Proverbs, people cast off restraint or they kind of do their own thing. 
And that's what happens. Everybody gets busy going to do something else, but there's nothing cohesive about what's happening. And in the end, you're not sure if anything got done. You're happy to be there. You had a good time. But can you go back home and celebrate? This is the thing we did together as a team. And that's one of the reasons to me why vision is so important, because it brings people together. Absolutely. I think without a vision, there's opportunity for turmoil and all sorts of disagreements to occur. But when there's a vision, you can still experience the same obstacles or issues, but those seem to be minimized by the cohesiveness, like you said, of the group, that there's a common purpose, common goal, and it helps you overcome those. Well, the nice thing about having a vision, if you have somebody that's a part of that group that is obviously not sharing the vision, you have a very easy entry to going to talk to them about, hey, listen, we have to get on board. And if we're not all together, then you're not really a part of the team. And difficult as that is, that's the truth. We don't typically hire people because of how nice they look, how popular they are. We should typically hire people because and or even because they have such a great skill set. That skill set has to match what it is that we need as a part of our team. Yep. And if there's not a match there, or if that match was there, but now seems to have been lost along the way, then we have to realize that uh, that's that's not a value yep. added person. Yep. That's a person that's a consumer and not a producer. And and I'll we have to be producers. As, I'll even go as far as say is that skill set can be learned later on. It's more important to hire values and temperament and attitude. You can gain skills and sure. education later on. It's kind of what Jim Collins talked about getting the right people on the bus. And then eventually you can get them in the right seat, but it's, it's, you want to hire for attitude and willingness to serve as opposed to, you know, like you said, the skill set. So let's right. talk about, let's talk about real quick. And, and one thing, because we want to make this real pa- practical, but how we talked about coming, maybe forming the vision, getting the vision. How do you implement a vision? How do you communicate that? Because I think that's where many leaders fail is they, they get the vision, kind of understand where they want the organization or the group to go. But how do you cast that? How do you successfully communicate that to the others? I wonder, but what it has to be communicated in the same way that you eat an elephant huh. one bite at a time, that if we attempt to communicate a vision, in its entirety, mm-hmm. it makes it s- that we lose people in the details. And so we probably have to begin with just th- that important overall bite. Mm-hmm. We're going to eat an elephant. And th- the good thing about that is then it causes others to say, how are we going to eat an elephant? And then you have an opportunity to talk about how we can eat that elephant And then down the road, we can talk, and I probably shouldn't do this. We may have people here who, I love elephants, okay? I don't have, I'm I'm not trying to really get us to talk about eating elephants. It's just an example, okay? I think one of the early things we have to do in implementing a vision is to share it in very simple terms, not try to make it so that the whole thing is laid out in front of people. Do you ever have that? (laughs) I've been, I wouldn't say demotivated, but I've often... Not often, probably that's not the, the appropriate way, but we've had an experience where someone's come in with a very strong vision. Then I've wondered how, okay, so we're at point A and that's like point Z. How are we going to get there? And so I get consumed with all the, the details and the minutia and then I get, end up getting lost. I think you're exactly right as far as there has to be ability for the people that you're communicating to to understand 
and be able to buy into that to that vision. And for some, it may take a little bit longer process than others. And you can't expect 100 percent. All right. So I'm going to lay out this vision and all of a sudden everybody's going to jump right in. For some, it's going to take further conversations for some for them to be able to understand where you want to go. You're going to have those. You know, we all deal with different types of personalities. That's right. Yeah. In our organizations and even in our families or in our groups. And so you're going to have some that are going to be choose right away. It's like, hey, let's go storm the castle. Yeah. We're right behind you. And then you have some that need to think through the process first. What are we going to wear? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, you know, and try to go through all the details. And so the important thing, I think, when implementing or casting a vision is, you know, what's on your heart, you know, what God's placed there, where you're wanting to go. I like to build momentum ahead of time. And that is having conversations before I start laying out the vision. And so I want to get buy-in before they even know what I'm doing. And I don't want this to be like a sinister or a behind the scenes, like I'm being, you know, uh, uh, dishonest with someone, but I want them to have input before I even start starting to lay it out. So they, they automatically, when they start hearing this, they're like, oh yeah, we discussed this. I have familiarity with this. You're not trying to blindside me. I've had the opportunity to think about it beforehand. I see where you're going with this. Let's go. Yeah. So having the opportunity. And so in a church, if you're a pastor and you got a hundred people, have some dinners with some family groups, have some small conversation at lunches, pick their brains, get some thoughts, and then share a little bit maybe, but then kind of start leading before you start laying out the vision in your group, have some individual one-on-ones, talk to them, what's important to them, what they're enjoying about the group, what would they like to see and build some commonalities. I think that's one of the greatest things you can do as a leader before you start laying out your vision is to start building the, mo- the momentum beforehand. And I've had a tendency in the past at times and, and, and still that you get an idea and you get so excited about it and you can't, you can't stop. You just got to tell everybody, you know, it's so great. I know. The, the truth is, when we started Simply Sisters in 2012, 13, that's one of the mistakes that, that we made. And, and I could see where this, the potential for this had such, man, it was, a, and so we brought the people together, shared it, and it was way too soon to do that. So you have to be really careful of that. Yeah. And for me, it's an opportunity when you're having those conversations to learn as well and to make adjustments as you're going along. So some, and we talked about this before that whenever I'm in a meeting, I like to tell, tell people, Hey, none of us are smart as all of us. And so as a leader, getting the input and the insight from those that I'm leading helps me. It helps me understand where they're at, what their goals and objectives and thoughts are, and how can I incorporate that and, and gain from that. And so it's whether it's humility or being humble as leaders, we have to understand that we can gain insight from those on the, front line, so to speak, kind of see how things are, are going uh, and, and going from there. So not patting myself on the back, but there's an issue with doorways that has been developing. And the truth is, it's been something on my heart for 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. We've just kind of talked around it and around it and around it. Very recently, an opportunity is beginning to present itself that may push this a little more quickly to the forefront. And one of the things I realized that was going to be very important for us was to not just spring this on all of our board members at one time. So I've taken the time to either have lunch or dinner or a phone call or breakfast or whatever to chat with each of our board members to help bring them up to speed and find out what areas they may have concerns about that we can address before we have to 
start making some decisions on this. I think that's been helpful. I think it's been good. It's been good for me. I think in the end, it's going to be good for all of us and look forward to being able at some point in the future to to share some of this with, with others. But we have to be careful how we share that vision. You're right. Yeah, exactly right. Anything else on your thoughts as far as maybe things to avoid um, when implementing or casting a vision? Yeah, the biggest thing to avoid is yourself. <laughs> because getting so excited and just because you can, you see how this works doesn't mean that anybody else gets it. And to go out and throw this thing out when the Bible speaks about casting your pearls before the swine, it's not to say that people are pigs. It's not to right. say that. But again, it's just an illustration. It doesn't help if you take all those pearls and you throw them out. It's not that you're trying to throw them out among the pigs. The truth is you're throwing them out in a field that's not going to be a productive place for those ideas to grow. If you've ever been a pig farmer, and I grew up, we had pigs on our farm. You can throw corn if you want to in the pig lot, but corn is never going to grow there mm -hmm. because the pigs are going to just wallow in it and they're going to walk on it and right. it will never grow corn. And so the biggest thing to avoid to be careful of is yourself. Put yourself in check. Make sure that you have a good understanding of it and talk with others. I, I think that whole concept of having prayer agreement or buy-in from others is so critical to a successful launching of right. a vision. In our last episode, Mike, I borrowed some thoughts from John Maxwell, some good insight on vision in his book, The 21 Indispensable Qualities of a Leader. He said there are four components. Uh, we mentioned the first two last week, that vision starts within, vision draws on your history. And there's two more, he says, vision meets others' needs. Now, that's pretty interesting, that real vision is far-reaching. It's not just for me, but it's for others. And a real vision is bigger than one person can accomplish. Wow. I have a vision to fix my pergola today. <laughs> my, it's not going to take a, com a community won't come out and do that. It's not that big. It's a thing that I can take care of myself. But a big vision, if I wanted to go out and build some kind of a, a large structure in the park that's going to benefit the whole neighborhood, well, I may be able to find a number of other people that are coming and get excited about that and be a part of that with me. So a real vision that meets others' needs is bigger than one person can accomplish. And it, it doesn't just include others, he says, but he says it adds value to them. That's a important thing about vision. It's not about me. It's right. about we. And he says, or I think I added this actually to what he had to say. Manipulation is like a parasite uses others to get things done that the leader wants. Yep. But a vision is symbiotic. And as it grows, others are rewarded because of the part that they play in its success. So I think a really true vision, bigger than you, and is something that everybody has a chance to grow and benefit from. Yeah, and I want to make sure our group and, and listeners understand that sometimes the people may not even understand what that growth means or that they need to grow. And so don't, when when you say that you're being manipulative or that you're just wanting things for yourself, and I, I totally agree that a true vision is to the benefit of all and to others. When you start laying this out, you may have those that may not even understand or may even fight against that growth because yeah. they, don't, they may think they've already, they're already there or they don't, you know, they feel like they've already done all that they should do and, and they're fine with where they're at. So don't be afraid of getting some resistance. Uh, along the way, as a leader, you have to to know and understand 
ultimately what's going to be best for everyone. Sometimes people are going to be 100%, hey, let's do it. I'm all for it. And then sometimes you're going to have to do some convincing along the way. But the Maxwell's obviously right that it's to their to their benefit, whether they completely understand it or not. I want to take a moment to remind our listeners that feedback is important to us. If you have a suggestion for a guest or topic, we'd really like for you to let us know. You can drop us an email at info at doorways.cc and we'll see how we can incorporate that into our podcast schedule. I'm Rick Shields. I'm joined today with my friend and colleague, Mike Atkinson. Together, we direct the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, and we host this podcast. We're talking about the importance of vision, where it comes from, and how to implement it. Mike, there may be some pitfalls in all of this. So in your mind, what do you see as some of the things we need to avoid in this process of vision? We've talked, I've talked about avoid yourself and get out of the way if you can in the process of sharing that vision. Any other pitfalls that you can think of are important for us to avoid? For leaders, when we're laying out our vision, and again, we talked about that often, you know, to create the vision, it comes with from within ourselves. So we put a lot of importance on it, a lot of personal attachment to it and a lot of weight to it. That doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else is going to take it that same way. And so for us, when we're vision casting or implementing a vision and we do hit that resistance or maybe that misunderstanding a little bit, don't let that deter you. And and for, for me, I have to fight against as they're taking, I'm taking it personal as opposed to what I'm trying to, to see accomplished hmm. or get done. And it's not a rejection of me personally as a leader. And maybe I'm just not communicating it well enough. I'm not helping them understand it enough. And so fight against the pitfalls sometimes is that we give up too easily. We're like, oh, well, okay, I either it's either I, I messed up or they're rejecting me as the leader. It's because we put all that weight up on that. And so we have to have understanding that, you know, initial acceptance or re- rejection of that vision, we can work through that. That's not necessarily a, a, a death shot or a kill shot. We've got to be able to pull away from that a little bit and see where we can improve upon that. Does that, does that make sense to you? Do you yeah. Because yeah. we can put almost too much weight, too much emphasis on it in one way if we're, if we're making it too personal. And I think that's a, that's a pitfall that I see happen in, in a lot of leaders. It's like, well, cause I've had conversations and like, well, oh, I mean, my people just, they, they hate me or they, they don't like me as a leader. And it's, and it's like, well, let's talk about why, what you said, how you did it, how you approached it. And what are they actually rejecting you or are they rejecting kind of what you're pushing them towards? And usually it comes to light that there's been again, maybe a lack of communication or miscommunication along the way, but very rarely are people upset with who they're following or the leader themselves. It's just the way it's being approached. And I'd add another thought to that. Billy Joe Doherty used to say something to this effect. Billy Joe was the founding pastor of Victory Christian Center here in Tulsa. And something to this effect that if, if God gives you a vision to do something, you already have the resources you need mm. to accomplish that in the, in the group that you have. But that doesn't mean you've got all the money. Yeah. It means you have all the resources. I think one of the things we have to be careful with with vision is that we equate it to what we have on hand. Okay. Vision assumes that this is something bigger than what we have on hand. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things that Maxwell says. He says, vision helps you to gather resources. It's like a magnet. Mm-hmm. It attracts and it challenges and it unites others. He says a bigger vision attracts more people who want to be a part of it. Vision is not dependent on what I currently have in the bank. 
-hmm. It assumes that by implementing this vision, that resources become available to us. My friend, Lyndall Warren, who was previously the missions secretary for the Oklahoma District of the Assemblies of God, said it this way. He said, money follows ministry. And so in a ministry context, we understand that. In a business context, money follows your being able to meet whatever need the customer has and being able to provide for them what they need. We have to be careful to to not limit vision to, to what we currently have, but to see that that helps to develop even more resources for us in the days ahead. So Rick, we've had this opportunity to podcast to talk about vision, forming the vision and then kind of implementing it or communicating it. And I think it's important for our listeners to understand that no matter what situation or or circumstance you're in, you're responsible for leading this group, this organization, and having the ability to set some sort of a direction for them and having that ability to rise up and above the day-to-day and and see what's going on and helping your people grow and advance and develop. So Rick, in your kind of to sum up your thoughts on vision, is there any last part as we close this out, any last thing on advice that you'd want to give regarding vision? I am uh, thinking of, of a person who makes widgets. Does that widget person have a vision? Yeah, they do. Are they the visionary for the company they're working with? They may not be the visionary or the leader of that company, but yet they still can have a vision for what it is that they do that in the end benefits themselves, their company, and the customer that they're providing for. But that's not necessarily where their vision ends. We alluded to it earlier. You may have a vision for your job, but you also also have to have a vision for your family. You have to have a vision for your friends, a vision for your community, a vision for your church, because the truth of us, in one way or another, in one place or another, all of us lead and all of us have influence. Don't get stuck in thinking because you're working somewhere where someone else tells you what to do, that you don't have vision. You do have vision. It may not be necessarily incorporated into that moment, but there's still so many opportunities that God has for you to be able to to speak to you, that you can hear, that you can listen, that you can share with others, and you can help move them forward in their lives, in their ministry, in their work. And and God's going to use you. And that's, hey, can we ask for more than that? Well said, my friend. I hope you enjoyed our podcast, and I hope that you'll join us on future episodes. Please follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. Until next time, this is Rick Shields, and on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, this is my prayer for you. May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it, and joy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after Him. Thanks for listening.